All right, you guys, welcome to Ghosted Stories. It's Chelsea. It's Aaron. I did it again. <laughs> you really You brought that on yourself. Though. I did. I stopped paying attention immediately. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so excited for our guest tonight on the phone from the West Coast. Mm-hmm. I especially, I always like a phoner because then, you know, I'm not trying to impress you, Aaron. Mm-mm. So I can like have no pants on or you so rarely whatever. do exactly mm-hmm. um so it's especially exciting though because this is a dear old friend of mine we go way back the new york city comedy days mm-hmm. give it up for madison perry yeah oh thank you oh. yes we're such old friends we <laughs> ran that great show in the basement of a hookah lounge in but- new york i i got to see so many Male comics try to hit on you. <laughs> oh, I had it then. That was a, that was back in the day when I had it. You still you know? got it, Jeff. You were you were the unpaid stand-up comedy queen at that point. <laughs> You're the too of the ball. kind. And look at me now, <laughs> just doing a podcast in my living room without pants. Mm. Um, but so, well, let's talk about this then for a minute. So. Yes. Well, Madison, we'll, we will talk about what you have going on and all your your wonderful successes and accomplishments in life. I mean, you're an author, you're a storyteller, you wrote a book about dating, which is incredible, which I want to talk about. But yeah, let's talk about how we know each other. And you joke about our show, but it was kind of a big deal in its moment. Was it not? Oh, it was, Can we it was like great. brag about yeah, ourselves we, for a minute? We can. We had such people... We, we didn't even pay them. They we, just came. They just showed like up. Like Pete Holmes, mm-hmm. Kumail Nanjiani. Hannibal um, Burris. Hannibal Burris, John Mulaney. Anthony Jeselnik. Great. Yeah. And it, yeah. And it's sad true. that we're naming we all did. dudes. I'm trying to think of like, of what I mean, we never had Amy Schumer on. No woman just walked no. by. No. I mean, we had, who was like, I'm trying to think of like a woman that we had on that's like achieved that level of, well, see, this is what's wrong with the world. And this that's, that's our spinoff pro- <laughs> podcast. No, I, I have someone, I think. Oh. Um, she, oh, I'm totally blanking on her name, but she just signed to write with John Oliver's show. Oh. Uh, and she has a, she wrote a book about being a mother. Oh, wait, uh, Ophira? Was, Ophira Eisenberg? No. Well, hmm another lovely person she hosts um <laughs> may i what is it the npr podcast ask me another right isn't that the one ophira hosts? yes no it's uh wait wait don't tell wait me. wait don't tell me yeah Please. okay there you go yeah. what what an ironic <laughs> way for you to not remember that <laughs> show okay. that she hosts wait, wait, don't tell me. but so yes we had lots of raquel fun- raquel oh, Dia Ra- Dia Peace. oh my god what a wonderful yes. human very talented very yes raquel person Yes. Very successful. Very, very funny. Um, but so, yes, we hosted. Yes, it, was, it was fun. We hosted show. this I show. It. I loved it was, running it with you. It was, I loved running it with you, too. So it was me and Madison and Ala Patel, who is a former guest of this podcast as well. The three of us produced it, um, booked it, hosted it, ran it. And it was from like 2008 to 2010 in this dumpy, weird hookah lounge <laughs> in the East Village. Yes. And yeah, we yes. got all these awesome people to come out and do stand up in the basement of a hookah lounge. Yeah, it was- it was like, it sucks to be a starting comic, so we put on a good show, so we had a good place to perform. Yeah. And then our quote-unquote headliner would be someone who was like basically about to become big, but they weren't quite big yet. yet. So you could get and, them in uh, the basement of Hookah Exactly. Take yeah. advantage of them. Yeah. 
Uh, I, yeah, people think showbiz is centered in Hollywood. Nope, it's Hookah Lounge on uh, on First and Third First Avenue. <laughs> yep, and then obviously, you know, many of those names we mentioned, like Kumail Hannibal, they blew up after doing our show in the Hookah it, Lounge. You were undeniable star maker. Correct. They wouldn't Correct. be where they were now. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so we did that for a long time. That was a lot of fun, and and now, yeah. Madison is a successful author, storyteller, screenwriter, all of the above, out in Los Angeles. And he wrote a book I have right here next to me that Aaron just took a picture of me holding because she was teasing me. She's like, you have his book next to you as if we're on a a program, which also has uh, a visual component, yeah. which it does not. Oh, good. But I know that I'm holding it and I'm looking at it. And it's called Available, a memoir of heartbreak, hookups, love and brunch. And this copy is signed. So sorry, everyone. If you're jealous, I have a signed by yeah. Madison Perry copy where you told me to please recommend but, this book to all of your loyal subjects and BOC, which stands for Blackout City, of which I'm the mayor. <laughs> <laughs> and I wish I could claim yeah. that. That's two of my uh, MTV producer friends. They actually coined that phrase, Annie and Andrea. But yes. Yeah, but you popularized it. I really you, did. You I owned kind of, the term. I developed it. You know, I really cultivated the culture mm-hmm. of You ran BOC. a really hard campaign for mayor. Yeah. But you want, it was fair. It was a fair and honest race. And yeah. that's what I'm most proud of. Mm-hmm. Um, so, And then Madison has also um, several times won the Moth Grand Slam, which is a very prestigious storytelling competition all around the world. And he, mm-hmm. do you still host the... Moth in LA? I do, yeah. I'm one of the hosts for the the Slam in Los Angeles. I've been doing that for like seven or eight years. Now. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And I started doing the Moth when we were around the time we were hosting that show because mm-hmm. I was like so-so at stand-up. <laughs> but I mostly told I stories. And then I went to the Moth and I was like, this is not in a basement. There's like 200 <laughs> people here. This is incredible. <laughs> so I started doing that and eventually stopped doing stand-up. And then you basically took over the Moth. They named it after right. you. It's the Madison Perry Moth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I got up. The Madison part is silent. <laughs> <laughs> I got picked for the Moth. So basically what the Moth is, and I mean, you can speak more to this, Madison. I only did it a handful of times. But you, for the, the lower level, like the entry level ones before you build up to going to like the Grand Slam, which is like the winners of all the other um, moth slams come down to the grand slam but for the regular like moth slams they hold them periodically and they'll tell you what the story theme should be the type of story you should come with but you don't know if you're going to get up you put your name in it like a lottery and then they pick you and yeah. I got up the first I think I went five times all together and I got up the very first time I ever went mm. and then I maybe got up the third time and I didn't like place any time so then I was like fuck the moth mm-hmm. You don't know. And then I never went back. But how did you, um, you also, Madison, are on, um, what is, oh my God, the podcast, Risk. Who is it? Kevin Allison. Don't you do his podcast a lot? Tell us about it. Brag about yourself a little bit. Just go. (laughs) Well, so when I moved from New York to LA, I knew Kevin Allison because he had taught a sketch class that I took. Right. And he had just started Risk and podcasts were not real huge at that point. It was basically like Mark Maron holding it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you did uh, hit on he, me in a story one time, sidebar. Anyways, yeah, I believe it. <laughs> uh, yeah, 
And so he had Kevin Allison asked if I would take people uh, in L.A. that he knew. You know, a lot of state people were out there. So for like mm-hmm. a year, I would go to people's houses and record them telling stories. which was really cool because mm-hmm. I, I love the state and all those actors. And then he started doing a West Coast show that I produced and hosted and performed in uh, sometimes. Um, and then um, eventually I, I stopped doing that just because uh, I was busy. But uh, yeah, risk is uh, a, another. It's like a R-rated moth, basically. Right. So if you're if you're tired of like, uh, if you want great stories, but you want like a lot of sex to be talked about, risk <laughs> is the uh, storytelling podcast <laughs> That's your lane. for you. Also, for yeah. anyone who doesn't know about the state, which is like an amazing show from I mean the '90s, I guess, right? That was on. And yeah, I mean, they're, I they're like a sketch the 90s. collective, and then they had a show on. I mean. Was it on MTV? What was the state on? It was on uh, MTV for I think like two seasons. So and then, uh, look up the state it on got YouTube. Cancelled basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it had Michael Ian Black. Yeah. Um, sort of, people. sort of like the cast of characters of anyone as a fan of Wet Hot American Summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's sort. Of, it's like yeah. it's like those people. Anyhoosie. So Madison, you also. Tell us how, I guess, you came to decide to write a book specifically about dating. You, I mean, you were made to be on this podcast. Yeah. I can't believe we're almost at 100 true. episodes and didn't force you to be on sooner. We saved you, though. They've been asking and demanding, and we exactly. were like, we're going to save it. Like, wait for it? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, my feelings were very hurt. I just listened to every episode. <laughs> you were like, wait, all of God in fucking, like, episode 10? Yeah. I just carved marks into the wall like I was in prison. 99 <laughs> episodes. Still no call. <laughs> uh, so I, I have, uh, and still do, but I've uh, wanted to be a screenwriter. I went to college for that. So I've, I've written scripts over the years and uh, while I was doing The Moth and stand-up. And uh, at some point I got frustrated um, because unless your film, your script gets made, which almost none of them do, I've, I had some that I would, I would auction and I had representation. So I'd had some success, but none had gotten made. Right. And so no one likes reading scripts, including screenwriters and producers and directors. Like, no one ever wants to read a script. They're annoying. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I wanted to uh, finish something that I could, like, give to my friends and family and be like, you can actually read this and enjoy this and understand it. Oh. And so I started turning a lot of stories I told on stage, which a lot of them were dating related into, you know, it's kind of a different form of writing. And so as, as I had done that quite a bit, and I turned one of the stories into an essay uh, about dating a manic pixie dream girl. Sure. And that ended up in the New York Times Modern Love column, which is open to anyone to submit. And I submitted and was lucky enough to get chosen. It was also, and also in, like super prestigious for anyone, yes, yeah. to be chosen. And uh, very exciting. And uh, and then in my bio, I had him put that I was working on a book, which was like half true. Like I was writing <laughs> things, but it was like, certainly I'm not a book. thinking about working on it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that essay gets a little wide readership. And so um, I talked to a few literary agents and, and one was like young and hungry and really liked my writing. But she was like, OK, there's not a book there, but I can help you figure out a book. Sure. Um, and she basically gave me an outline for what to do for a book proposal, which I wrote and she helped me with and then we sold that to uh, Scribner the publisher and uh and I wrote the book and and while this was going on I um I was kind of a girlfriend guy for most of my life till I was 30 and I got dumped by the girl I lived with and I decided to be single for two years uh because I had in like in my adult life I basically was never single for more than like three months right Mm -hmm. I'd always go and get a girlfriend again and so I ended up being single for almost two years 
Uh, and so the book, it kind of, that kind of is what the book, the shape the book took. It was about that period going from getting dumped. Yeah. Until the end when I um, met my wife and we got married four months after we started dating and that became the ending. And I was already working on a book and I mm-hmm. told my agent, my literary agent, I was like, Oh, I'm getting married. And she was like, I'm happy for you personally. And as your agent, I think it's a great business decision. <laughs> <laughs> That's so sweet. Why? I mean, is this part of your story about like you guys got married after four months? That's really fast. Uh, it is. So we had known each other since college. We were acquaintances in college in LA. A, a lot of, we had a lot of mutual friends. We'd see each other around a bunch and then um, we started to like each other, but we, we couldn't date because we had so many mutual friends. Yeah. And finally, we, we just we felt really special. Like, we really needed to date and see what it could be. So we started dating, and she is from Spain, and she was going to have to move back to Spain. Um, and so I didn't want her to do that. So I <laughs> was actually, we Good were chapter. at Burning Man. We were at Burning Man together, like, three weeks before she had to leave. And I was like, I should marry her. And then I was like, well, I just had LSD like eight hours ago. Maybe I should wait on this decision. <laughs> and then like a week later, I was sure there was no drugs in my system. And like, I was just so in love with her and didn't want her to leave. And so we, we got married very quickly. And I was uh, about five years ago. Aww. I mean, and that is happily the ever dream. After. That is the dream. Especially like someone you have a history with, you know, and then you both then been out there like having life experiences so it makes it even more solid when you come together mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah it was uh it was you know it's so annoying when someone says like you just know but uh it really felt that way i dated several i had several girlfriends dated them for years and never really wanted to get married yeah um and i'm kind of skeptical of marriage and then when i had this opportunity i like had no fear at yeah. all and it was just so excited to marry her oh that's i nice. love it um so i speaking of which i understand you guys are are at a a life turning point that that often comes after marriage yeah we are trying to make a child Ah. and because we're both over 35 it's not going as quickly as we would like so now we're uh we've uh gone to a doctor and we asked the doctor to take all sexiness out of sexual intercourse <laughs> if they could, and they really accommodated our, our request. <laughs> Are the things like, I mean, this is, I don't know, sign of the times. One of the first thing that comes to mind for me are the, the different Kardashian women having like their heavily documented like struggles with infertility and everything from like lying on the bed with your feet up in the air. Things that just sound like oh, nonsensical yeah. wives tales. Why old, why, why still, whatever the phrase is. But is that a real thing? Can you really, does it really help yeah. your chances when you're like, yeah, what? Oh, there's, it's like, seems uh, see, basically when you're doing this, you like get a bunch of tests done and sometimes they find something very specific that might be the cause. And sometimes there's nothing specific. It's just your odds go down as your age goes up. Right. And so they sort of start escalating how invasive and aggressive they are right. with the thing. So yeah, the, the first one is basically they put the woman on drugs so that she ovulates at a very specific time. And mm-hmm. so you are prescribed sex at literally a time and day. <laughs> a time and of day? They tell you, you like to, rush home? Like, oh no. Yeah. God damn oh, it. it's like you put it in the calendar. Let me wrap this <laughs> up. I'm going to late for sex. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was uh, at one point that my wife was potentially going to have a business trip. 
um, during the, the go zone. Oh, and no. I like was pretty excited to book a ticket specifically to have sex. Like, <laughs> she had to, she had to fly me in. Couldn't wait to get home two days later. Oh, what an exciting rendezvous. Mm. Um, but it didn't yeah. end up happening or did it? No, her, her work trip got moved oh. like a day. And, and so she came back and we, we could do it in our own home. Yeah. Um, so that's like stage one. Sex? And stage two is like, I go to the clinic and I produce a sample, as sure. they say. Oh, sure. There's like all these scientific terms for like, use the container to produce a sample. And you're just like, so you mean jizz in a cup? Like, jizz in a cup. <laughs> all right, got it. And then, and yeah, go ahead. You, yeah, so you go into, I go an hour before my wife gets there and I go into this room. And they have porn for you. One of the one of the most uh, I realized how surreal it is that Donald Trump is our president when one of the DVDs was a Stormy Daniels uh, <gasps> DVD. Oh, I was like, oh my god! Our... So yeah, top notch presidential porn at this. Uh, Do you get office. to request the porn, or is it just sort of like we made this in '95 and we're just sticking with I it? I was just gonna ask. Yeah, the there is like an old school Case Logic DVD sleeve thing with the disc <laughs> in there. <laughs> And there's like eight of them, and the DVD player is not rigged for sound because it's in the middle of a doctor's office, so okay. there can't be like sex sounds. Right. <laughs> and there's eight DVDs. There was one that was a Top Gun porn parody. Oh, uh, that was another one. There's one called like Down South Temptations that looked con- <laughs> like country music themed. It was like a guy and a guitar and a girl and Daisy Duke shorts. What a tragedy um, that you'll never know. Like what that country porn music sounded like. Mm. Uh, I know. Yeah, the soundtrack alone might have been <laughs> great. There is, in, the instruction, in the instructions, there was a line that said, any DVD that is stolen will have to be paid for. So I guess that's happened <laughs> oh, <God>. before. <laughs> How embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, I opted to, to go with the phone, my own phone. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's oh. right. Yeah, they should just, Get into my own should just world. be like a yeah. hookup to the, t- to the screen. It makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, but then you wouldn't have uh, fun. Yeah. Right. That's true. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, you give them the sample, and they, they, they call it cleaning it, which is weird. But basically, <laughs> they, like, run it through a centrifuge and get, get the good stuff. Uh, and it goes into a glorified turkey baster. And then, then my wife arrives for her appointment. Wow. And we were even, like, I was like, do I stay around? Should I stick around? And I was like, I guess I should be there for the conception of my child, even though I won't be involved. <laughs> and I should be in the area, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, adjacent. If it happened. So, yeah, this is a, a new a new frontier that has taken over our lives uh, the last two or three months, which is, like, actually pretty stressful. But we well, talk, yeah. to, talk about it to everyone because it relieves the stress, I guess, to joke about it. I like that because I do think that there's so much about giving birth and conception and everything that is like so secretive. And a lot of times I feel like society has been like, you know, going through fertility stuff. You have to really keep it quiet because obviously there's a big like chance of heartbreak and everything. But I am always yeah. so against that because I'm like, you want your friends and your family. I mean, and we're s- such close friends because we sure. met tonight. But All like <laughs> to be able to sympathize with that. And I think the more you talk about it, the more you know that the experience is also universal. Like there are, I know a ton of people who have had fertility issues. Yeah, it normalizes it for them, the people out there that are like, oh my God, we're the only ones going through this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it's great. I'm happy you're talking about it. Good luck with everything. I mean, two, three months is also Thank pretty you. early, but that's, um, yeah. yeah, that's great. 
Do you then, yeah. so that's the stage you're at, and then the next stage would be, like, more serious, invasive, like, IFV type uh, of stuff? Eventually, yeah, eventually you get to IVF, IVF which is yes. higher probability, but much more expensive and invasive. Mm-hmm. And so right, right. We'll see at yeah. some point. We, we may get, get there. Well, yes, just, uh, it's interesting. I've I've learned a lot about reproduction that I feel like should have been taught to me at some point. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, That's what I'm saying. Like they just they act like you're gonna get someone pregnant by looking at them, and then yeah, it's really hard. There's like, and I, I mean, I feel like every comedian has a joke, it's something to this extent. But it's like there's like one second a month that you can really get pregnant. Like it's just even when you're fertile. It's yeah, not always yeah. Easy. It's th- like three days. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I've always been convinced that I'm not fertile at all. The Which- IUD would do that, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, even without, like, even because I've never wanted kids, but even I mean, for sure, I always like had the fear of God, like paranoia, especially being someone with like pretty good OCD that that was like an obsessive thing. Like, I would be so paranoid all the time that I was pregnant when there was no physiological way that it was possible but um but at the same time I've always had this like gut feeling that I'm just like not fertile at all mm-hmm. but could I find that yeah. out if like is there an easy way for a woman to find that out no not like yeah it would be a more invasive thing right mm-hmm. but with like um, guys don't they just like test your jizz? you think <laughs> yeah yeah they do <laughs> uh but for a woman you go in and you basically you you do a bunch of blood tests and you get an ultrasound and so okay. Based on based on the chemicals in your blood and how your cycle works, and right. looking at your ovaries, they can tell you how many eggs you have, how many follicles you tend to develop, how your hormone levels are, and they could give you an estimation. But I mean, the thing we've also learned is like none of it's guaranteed. Like right. you go to experts, sure. and they're basically just trying to give you the best shot. But there's oh yeah, never any guarantee you will or won't get pregnant. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, good luck with all the basting and whatnot. <laughs> Thank you. (laughs) So tell us then, I mean, you've already given us some of your history in terms of dating that you were a relationship guy. You found then your now wife kind of during this time when you were purposely being single and dating. So the story you want to tell us today, where in, where in all of that does this fall? So this, this was, um, towards the end of my, my run of being single, and I was pretty aggressively dating for about a year and a half, like a lot of, there was no apps at that point. It was that long ago now, but uh, OkCupid was my, mm-hmm. my main go-to and that's meeting how, girls and traveling. That's how Aaron met her husband on OkCupid. Also, I just realized, Madison, that you probably know Aaron's husband, Pat Stango. Remember Pat Stango? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's Pat. who Aaron's married to, so... That's that. Oh, that's cool. That's, I did not realize ha- that. That's what happened. Yeah, Pat was like, you should be friends with my girlfriend. And I was like, that works for me. Yeah, and then we became best and, friends. And then we went on an international trip together and started hosting a podcast. He's yeah. like, wait, what? And I'm like, well, this is what we're you wanted, right? Vegas to see Lady Gaga. <laughs> like, we're really doing it We up. really leaned into Pat's <laughs> suggestion. But actually, pause on your story for a second, because I just realized we didn't make you do our our segment that we do, mm-hmm. which if you've listened to Ghosted Stories, Madison, you know we force every guest to help our listeners envision you in their mind's eye. So who would play yeah. you? Who would play you in your Lifetime movie? Uh, the, so the, the celebrity I've gotten most in my life is Matthew Broderick. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. Yep. Who, but 
We would need to like get a time machine because he's he's older than me. <laughs> yes. I would want to cast someone younger than me, of course. Uh, but just imagine a, a Ferris Bueller type yeah. scamp. That's me. Young Matthew Broderick. I like that. That's a good I also, one. I like you had one ready. That was good too. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you for being a good example mm-hmm. for our future guests. <laughs> You're welcome. Who, who do this podcast for free and don't bother to take a few minutes to like you know look in the mirror, produce. <laughs> yeah, their answer to that question. Um, okay, so sorry. Back to your story. So, okay, Cupid, was your situation? Uh, Yes, I was dating a lot and trying to be conscientious about it, being honest with people about that I was not looking for anything serious. And and some some women were cool with that and some were not and it would end or Mm -hmm. some would say they were cool with it and it would turn out they weren't. Yeah, Um, It was lovely that you were upfront about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I tried to be. I wasn't always perfect because it's sometimes a bit awkward in the beginning. Like five minutes in, you don't want to be like, "Hey, I'm not looking to be your boyfriend." Right. And it's like, yeah, screw, but I me neither. Right. Um, um, but it went pretty well. Like I enjoyed dating. I had a girlfriend for so much of my life. Uh, I really enjoyed it. It was fun, and I had um, a lot of good. Like the worst since, um, case scenario was usually like not a connection there, no second date. Like I didn't have any crazy dating stories. So about a year and a half in, I got set up by a friend for mm. the first time. There's this guy, Mike, who I'd met uh, performing at the Moth, and he emailed me. He like was sometimes in L.A., sometimes in New York, but he emailed me and said, there's a girl in L.A., and was he thought we'd be a good match, and would I go out with her? And he sent me a link, and I saw her picture. She was cute. So I was like, yeah, sure. And so I didn't hear anything for a few weeks, and then she sent me an email inviting me to go hiking, which is – like pretty standard first date sure. stuff, except the hike she wanted to go to was in Arizona. We lived in Los Angeles. Oh God! It was in four months from then. She'd won. A, a, <laughs> she had a she had a pass to this thing called the Wave, which is this like really cool rock formation near the Grand Canyon that okay. you have to get a permit to go see. So she had one, and she asked me if I wanted to go, which like I actually love that kind of stuff but but I had four a, like months I dated some, from now yeah it's crazy it was like i had a rule that i would not go to dinner on a first date or date a first date could not be on a weekend because i didn't if it went bad i didn't want to waste a friday night sure so, like a long week weekend in four months for a first date was out of the question totally okay wait like, is this a, is this one of the stories in your book why is this familiar it is it yeah. is okay so i can't react organically yeah. although i've probably forgotten by now i drink a lot well, as we've is, established so this is the uh this is the expanded version. oh okay great. new dirt in oh here the gosh. director's cut behind the scenes uh, so i emailed her back and i said it sounds like a cool trip but like why don't we grab a drink um <laughs> and get to know each other and talk about it well, we don't need any permits cool yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah so we set a date that's like a week and a half out and and maybe uh four or five days before that set date i get a text from her like around six thirty in the evening and it says everybody says not to have that de- set not to have sex on a first date but no one says anything about having sex before the first date. Oh, oh God. <laughs> yeah. Spicy. And then she texts, just kidding. Oh, all right. And then 30 seconds later, she texts, not really. Oh. Wait, tell me one more time. What time of day one was this? What time of day? 6.30. 6.30. 6.30 p.m. It's like on our way home from work. <laughs> just so I morning. write back, I'm intrigued. Mm, yes. <laughs> And she says, what's your address? I'll be there in 90 minutes. 
wait what's your address i'll be there in 90 minutes I, like she doesn't know where you live but she knows she can get there in an hour and a half oh we have only exchanged i think like a handful of texts and emails and not even at all flirty they'd all been like logistical basically. Wow. like we hadn't had an ongoing text flirty thing that sometimes happens it is you know we've never met we've never seen each other in person <laughs> and it's weird because this is sort of like what you think would be a guy's dream but i like right. immediately panicked i was just like oh my god is this a trap what kind of a what? trap would it be i don't know what's happening <laughs> i like do my sheets in the washer <laughs> showered i picked up because when you're yeah exactly when you're faced with what you think might be your dream it could be your nightmare. It could be your nightmare. Yeah. But also it's so strange that she's like, do you want to go on a three day weekend uh, in four months to this like special place where you need like a special permit and we have to really plan it? Or like, do you, do you just want to fuck now? <laughs> yeah. Like was... there was no in between. Like, I feel like there's steps no. between those two things. How many guys yeah. do you think Madison that she offered this up to? Like, did you, do you feel like she was just like throwing stuff out and seeing, you know, if it's stuck, like seeing well, who would bite? I do not think so. Based on what happened later oh, okay. boy. in the evening. Oh boy. Let's continue. I think, <laughs> so you're yeah. washing your the, sheets. Yeah. Getting ready. And then I'm also wondering, like, when she gets there, what's the mood? Like, do I just grab her and, like, start making out with her? Yeah. Do you have to make it's, like, small what she's talk? coming for, but it's also weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, like, do you have, like, a plate of snacks prepared? Like, Right. I know. So she gets there, and she knocks, and she, like, looks very pretty. She's wearing a dress. And I decide, like, I'm not going to just ravage her. I will <laughs> invite her in and make a drink and... We sit down on the couch and it's just super awkward. Sure. Yes. Um, and we're just kind of like staring at each other and she, she's like, what should we do to make you more comfortable? And I was just like, I don't know. I've never done this before. <laughs> should make you feel more like she. But this also feels a little bit and no shame to sex workers, but it feels a little bit prostitute doesn't it? It does. It's, it's... Yeah. I mean, it was weird. And so we talked a few more minutes and it's just like bullshit. Where, where are you from? Where do you live? All that kind of stuff. And then she just grabs me and pulls me towards her and we start making out. Mm-hmm. And like five minutes into making out, she said, let's go to your bedroom. Uh, and so I was like, okay. And then we just took our clothes off. So like 20 minutes after I've seen this person for the first time in my life, we were naked right. in my bedroom getting it on. Um, Once that started so, happening, were you more comfortable with the whole situation? <laughs> or was it still no, like, what the fuck? No, but <laughs> still, well, it just at every turn it got weird. So like at some point we we've been making out for a little bit and I go to grab a condom and she's like, Slow down, we have all night. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't I wouldn't have thought that I'm all for foreplay. I just thought this situation might be a let's get to it kind of a deal. Yes. Uh I didn't know we had all night. Uh I did not expect her to stay over. <laughs> I mean for real. And, um, and so we're, we're making out and it keeps, she keeps stopping to like chit chat. Mm-hmm. Like we were like kissing and she pulled away and she was like, you write screenplays, right? What <laughs> happens when you finish writing it? How does it become a movie? <laughs> and so then I like explained how Hollywood works. For, like, <laughs> was this like and an then, elaborate networking, like informational interview? No, it was just like we were having first date small talk during during naked making out. Right. Like and all like literally 
in the middle of giving me a hand job, she asked how many siblings I had. <laughs> it was <laughs> bizarre. And so eventually she decides she's ready to have sex and she gets on top of me and she, she starts to put me inside her to like start sex. And I like had to roll away and I was like, I need to get a condom. To start oh, wow. sex. And <laughs> sex starting? And she was, she, <laughs> she was like, we don't need that. Huh? What? Yes, you certainly do. <laughs> I know. That, that's what I said. I was like, I, well, we, we need it. Uh, I'm going to put it on. She's like, don't they bother you? I was like, I don't love them, but we're going to use a condom. Yeah. Right now, which really, I probably should have called the whole thing off at that point. But Wow. And so we started having sex, and I'd kind of been expecting, like, the super sex positive like person sure. because she invited herself over without meeting me to have sex and didn't want to and wear it was a the condom. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah. It was like very rigid, mm-hmm. um, like very unpassionate, very strange. Um, and it just like it didn't, I finished and she kind of rolled away and like, it was, it was so, <laughs> strange that for a second i was like is she a virgin was this her like weird way of losing her virginity because that was she didn't seem like she knew what what was going on like what to do during sex and then we're afterwards we decided to watch a movie because now it's it's like 7 15 in the evening or or 8 15 in the evening at this point and we have have all night (laughs) and and I was like, okay, let's watch a movie. And she says, okay, but we're not putting any clothes on. We're going to watch the what? movie naked. What? And I, was, and I was like, well, I'm going to put underwear on because I don't want to sit on my couch naked, but you can yeah. do what you like. And she didn't even, I and, mean, she was on board for staying. Like, she she was like, yep, going to stay. We're going to watch a yes. movie. Like, at no point she, was she like, oh, I could go. Like, this is fun. I could go. No. Wow. Oh, well, it turned out that, I forgot this. She, I found out at some point, she had taken a cab there from the other side of the city, like a 45 minute cab ride. Wow. Um, just before Uber. Cause she, Oh, she, she told me at one point, I don't have a driver's license. And first, and I like was like, how, how old are yeah. you? Oh God. <laughs> For a second, I got really scared. And she's like, we oh, just I'm looked 30. at each other. Okay. Yeah. Good. Okay. Yeah. And between the sex and not having a driver's license for, for like 10 seconds, I thought I had committed, sure. uh, whatever when you have sex with an underage person <laughs> uh but she she was 30 she just like lived in new york and london and never had a car uh-huh. okay oh sure lead with that part and uh so we watched this movie and like as weird as she was during sex she was very very intimate in every other aspect like watching huh. the movie she was cuddled next to me and rubbing my arm and she wanted to do it naked and i started to figure out that like you know, sometimes you just meet someone and it's instant connection and you have like a wild night of sex or cuddling or you stay up all night talking. She was like trying to have that happen, but it, it was like being forced. Right. Yeah. Like it just, yeah. it just wasn't there. Right. It wasn't mm-hmm. like we caught our eyes at a bar and talked until four in the morning. Or something right. Like that. Right. Um, and so then after the movie, she, she said, I didn't, have an orgasm when we had sex so that's why i'm so cuddly right now okay which i'd never i'd never i've never heard of before <laughs> and so I, I said well we could have sex again and she said is that physically possible for you what <laughs> yeah it was like, I, I, I don't think she'd ever had sex twice, twice in one, in night, one night before oh my was goodness. she and 
alien. She, was she a robot? Did you ask? Her? She did. I found out she she hadn't had sex in like a year and a half, and I think it had one very serious relationship. Got life. it. She was with a, somebody with she, a, she a very PhD. long refactory period. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. So this was like her foray into like. I'm going to try, like, isn't this what people do? I'm just going to have crazy nights of sex where I invite myself over. So she she wants to have sex again, but, uh, like, 10 minutes in, she asks if we can stop because she's exhausted. Um, So I'm like, okay, that's fine. Um, And then we start talking. And so I I was just making small talk, but she kept being really evasive about um, whenever I brought up our mutual friend, this guy Mike, who had set us up. Oh, and I forgot that like, that all started from this. Yeah. I totally forgot yeah, that so she's I'd be like, setup. Okay. Why'd you decide to text me? And she's like, oh, let's not talk about that. And I was like, how did you like get into the mosque? Because I knew she was in the storytelling. She's like, oh, I don't want to talk about that. Maybe Mike can tell you. And, oh, and then I was like, how do you know Mike? She's like, oh, I don't want to get into it. So like mm-hmm. eventually oh, enough God. of these like demurs, I was like, Mike's not here. Like I'm asking you these questions. Like, why won't you answer me? Right. Um, and so, like, this whole story just came spilling out of her that she, um, like, two years earlier had seen Mike tell a story on YouTube, had come across it on YouTube, okay, okay. and became obsessed with him. Oh, gosh. And had started going to storytelling events to try and meet him and had met him. And then they'd had this, she'd had a girlfriend, but they'd become friends and, and, and exchanged a bunch of emails. And then when he was single, they went on a date. And she said it was the most magical date she'd ever been on in her life. Oh, my gosh. Uh, which is, like, slightly insulting when you're on a date with someone else. But yes! that's all right. When you're naked next and to did them. Did she use the word? Like, did she say, oh, I saw this video and I was obsessed with him? Or is that your word? Like, did she? I mean... I can't remember exactly, but like that, that was, was the, she was very yeah. forward, she was very forward that like she was very she said she because I remember very she said the date they went on was like being on drugs oh that she had withdrawal God. afterwards when she couldn't see him. Jesus, again. wow! And um, she went to oh, and she he was living in New York at the time. She went to New York twice to see him uninvited, and she's telling me all she's <gasps> like, yeah, I went to New York. He wouldn't let me come up to his apartment. We had coffee. <laughs> Wouldn't let me come up to his apartment. Wait, does Mike hate you? <laughs> well, this is at, yeah. When she's telling me the story, at some point I'm just like, oh, he was pawning off the, the his stalker, crazy yeah. person on me, basically, like hoping that maybe she'd find someone else to be interested in. Wow. Um, and and I was like, she even said something like. Cause she talked about his video. She was like, oh, I saw your videos online too. Like, I didn't like a lot of them, but some of them were good. <laughs> like, oh wow. And I like had gone from thinking this girl was obsessed with me and seen me perform or something to like, it's the exact opposite. Like oh, she's literally on a date with me. Cause the guy she actually likes told her to go on the date. Wow. And so she says at the end of all this reveal, she's like, Mike told me not to tell you any of this. Cause he thought I would ruin it. Has it? You're like, hmm, a little bit. And I was just like, yeah, I, I think it may have affected the chances of us having a serious relationship. Yeah. Oh, my God. So then did she stay after that? Yeah, because she didn't have a car. Right. <laughs> and it was late at night. Right. I wasn't going to kick her out. Right. She was like, are you mad? And I was like, no, I'm not mad. And I really wasn't mad. I was honestly, when she told me the story, my biggest emotion was being relieved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I'd been yeah. so weirded out. I was like, man, I had sex with this girl. Like, now I probably should go out with her again or let her down. eat. And I was just like, went to bed sleeping. Like, yeah. 
I was a weird little sexual surrogate pawn in this game. Right. Like, I don't have to feel bad about not wanting to see this girl again. That's, totally. So I, I was like, so we go to sleep and she wakes me up at 530 and says, did you ever have a pet growing up? What the fuck? And I was like, what? I, yeah, I had a dog and a couple horses. And, and she's like, I ask because you know how pets wake you up early because they need to eat. She kind of like gives me a look, and I was no. like, still like half asleep. I was like, do you no. need food? Like I could make oatmeal. <laughs> oh and she started. Then she's like, no, I want to have sex again. And what? just started climbing on top of me. Oh my god! And I was, I was like, it's one of the few times in my life that I've just, I've turned down sex. I was like, mm-hmm. no, I, I'm not interested in doing that right now. Good for so you. So we like get up, and I drive her across town to work because I feel bad like making her take a bus or a cab or something that type of day like we park at a there's all these billboards in LA that like are for condom use like promoting it mm-hmm. and she points at one when we're at a stoplight she says I can't believe you like using those things oh, and I was right. like well again I don't like using them but I use condoms unless I'm monogamous yeah. and she says I'm not I'm not gonna sleep with anyone else oh what? god uh, was your and I was like <laughs> was your what? breath just like <gasps> yeah yeah oh i was it was like kind of like scary i was like you mean ever again she's like no i just mean anytime soon and i was like well i will and she was like oh that's fine that's fine i guess it is <laughs> and so i drop her off and she like opens the door and gets out and she says thanks that was really fun i'll see you on tuesday and at first i'm like what's tuesday and then i'm like oh right we haven't actually technically had our first date yet that's oh, what will happen on tuesday which in the moment i'm like I'm not going on that date. Sure. That will not be happening. I'm not going to tell her right now just right, after I right, dropped her off. But right. I was like, oh, I'll text her in a couple of days and tell her I'm not interested. And so basically like why I thought of this story for your podcast is my plan was more or less to ghost her, not like straight up never answer again, but just be like, ah, I will like not really talk to her. And in, in a day or two, I will let her know that we're not going to go right. on a date. And, but she just started texting me within like three hours oh, of me dropping her off. And like just over and over again, she would text me. She told me she missed me a couple of times. She would oh. tell me about what was going on at work. She would talk about our trip to Arizona, which I still had not agreed to. And like, I didn't completely ghost her, but I, re- I responded so sparingly that it's like, how can you not get like if I, when I was hand. dating, if I sent someone two messages, they didn't respond to, I'm like, well, they're, we're done. Right. I assume we're done. Right. Right. Um, and so it was like, so like a couple of days later, I send her an email and I just say, Hey, our, our evening was nice. Uh, I had fun, but there wasn't a connection for me. You know, I just don't think we're a match. So you should find someone else to go to Arizona with and, and we should cancel our date because I don't want to waste your time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so her, her first email back is like, cool, no problem. And then um, over the next like, 24 hours she just texted and emailed constantly um just asking me what happened what changed is it about her connection to mike is is she too serious is she too casual was she too forward was the sex not good why won't and why won't i answer her why am i being mean to her oh Uh, like one night i had to turn off my phone because it like she just kept texting and calling through calling to night yeah. Can you imagine that? Calling someone? As Polly D would say, <laughs> awkward. <laughs> and so eventually I had to send her another email that basically said, like, 
first I tried to be nice and honest in that first email, but like, I'm just not interested. Please stop contacting me. Right. Um, and then she contacted me twice more, but that was it. Oh my God. So just twice more. And then was there a big dramatic, like, I guess since you're not answering, I'll go whatever. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, the last email was like, um, she was like, I wish you would have just told me this up front. She was like, what I, which I did in that first email, by telling her not to, that I didn't want to go on a date with her anymore. Um, and that she just like, it was such a shame because we had such a good time together. And I don't know, it was, yeah, basically like kind of trying to make me feel guilty. And there's a couple things in there that were trying to get me to respond, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I did, I I did mean, not anymore after that. And then, what did you say to your friend Mike, your friend in quotes? So I I emailed him and I like told him not this long of a version, but like what happened and that she got way ahead of herself when talking about dating and she seemed obsessive. And he basically wrote back. He's like, "Oh, I had the exact same experience." <laughs> You're like, "Uh huh, <laughs> yeah." So I'm like, cool. "Yeah, what the f?" And and then he said, uh, "Do you know anyone else that maybe would be a good match?" For oh her? my god! So and you're like Mike, stop. He, you're like, mm, sorry, yeah, no, buddy. Maybe yeah, a fifty-one like, fifty hold. You should... <laughs> god. Yeah. So that was my like. I guess I didn't ghost her, but I like. You sure like, as hell tried. I tried to ghost her for half a day, and there were so many messages <laughs> that I was like, "Well, I guess I need to like, go. stop this." So, does she know that this, or you know, at least like part of the story, is in your book? Uh, I don't know. I've I've changed both today and in the book. A lot of the details have changed. Right. Yeah. Um, right. Right. I don't, I don't know. We. I haven't talked to her since. I told she her hasn't to like reached out or anything. And, yeah. No, most people. I've only a handful of people really reached out. Mostly positive. A couple negative after they read the book. <laughs> That's fun. I mean, not for you, but. No, it's horrible. It makes me feel bad. <laughs> no, no. Don't feel bad. They're your experiences, too. It's true. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I know. Yeah, I mean, I totally believe that rationally, but anytime you like feel like you hurt someone's feelings, you're well, like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, because yeah. you're a good person, Madison. Um... Oh, thanks. <laughs> Well, that was fun. If you guys want to hear more stories like that, <laughs> pick up Madison's book, Available. What else um, is happening these days, Madison? Anything else you want to want to shamelessly plug? This is the chance. No, nothing really to, to plug. I'm working on some projects, but they won't, won't be available for quite some time. Mm. So uh, nothing to plug, really. The book is the best thing, best thing to buy. Mm-hmm. If uh, if any of your listeners are in Tennessee in October, I'll be at a storytelling festival in Jonesboro, Tennessee, first nice. weekend in October. So yeah, but I guess so. That's something I guess. I've never been to Tennessee. I've always Nashville is a place on my list to check out. Have you been to Nashville? Yep. No, no, no. Should we go? All right, yeah, let's go this weekend. Yeah, sure. Okay, great. Madison, it was so delightful to catch up with you. It was. I'm that was so very fun. Thank this. you for having me. Yeah. Where can then everyone stalk you on social media in a non-threatening way? <laughs> Casual fan uh, way. <laughs> yeah. I'm on uh, Twitter at Madison Perry. My name is spelled M-A-T-T-E-S-O-N. Um, I honestly don't post that much anymore, but... <laughs> I'll probably follow you back and read what you tweet. Madison, you're the best. Um, everybody, we will see you next week as always.
Boo. All right. Thanks, guys.